there, Luke chapter 20, verses 27 through 40. Luke chapter 20, verses 27 through 40. Give everybody one second here. There's some pages flipping. Message this morning is the resurrection of Jesus. Does God change how we act? Verse 27 says, Some of the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first one married a woman and died childless. The second, and then the third, married her. And in the same way, the seven died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman died too. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be, since the seven were married to her? Jesus replied, The people of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come... And in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. And they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. They are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. But in the accounts of the burning bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise, for he calls the Lord, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. For to him all are alive. Some of the teachers of the law responded, Well said, teacher. And no one dared to ask him any more questions. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Well, here we are in the gospel of Luke. And what are we looking at this morning? There's a lot going on here. Well, we're looking at a challenge to Jesus' interpretation of Scripture, and also, therefore, a challenge to Jesus' authority. And besides that, as I said, this passage has many things going on. For example, talk of the resurrection, talk of angels, that sort of thing. We'll talk about those things, but in reading this passage, many people tend to focus on these sorts of curious sorts of things, and often miss what is really going on here, what Jesus is really getting at. This passage is not about otherworldly curiosities. What is really going on in this passage is this challenge, like we said, to Jesus' authority and interpretation of Scripture, but also a challenge concerning how I'm supposed to live my life today following God. How or why is that? Well, because if Jesus, the Son of God, the Word made flesh himself, himself is getting Scripture wrong, then he is not the Word made flesh. He is not the Messiah of the Scriptures, the Savior, who saves us, who saves me and you, you and I. So therefore, there is really a battle going on here. This is a battle. It's a battle for hearts, for minds, but also for souls. Today, right now, even as I'm speaking these very words, 
It's still a battle for souls. It's been raging for quite some time. But okay, that's a little bit about the context of this passage, and what's going on, what we're going to be focusing on. And so what I want to do is look at the scripture and get a little bit deeper this morning. So we're talking about Jesus' interpretation of scripture, Jesus' authority, and how we should live our lives today in light of these things because of such realities, and particularly the resurrection, which is kind of the question that the Sadducees are coming at Jesus with. So let's look at verse 27, first verse. Verse 27. Verse 27 says that it is the Sadducees who approach Jesus. And all of us, I think, have been to church. Are we all familiar with the Sadducees? Not the Pharisees, but the Sadducees? Well, here we learn a little bit about them. The Sadducees are the ones who say there is no resurrection. It's kind of a funny thing to say to Jesus, looking back. Well, here's a play on words. They are so sad, you see, Sadducees, because for them, there is no life after death. There is no resurrection. What does this mean? Well, for the Sadducees, this is it. This life is fundamentally meaningless because nothing comes next. No resurrection. So therefore, in the meantime, uh, what we do with our bodies, for example, what we do with our earth, our creation, environmental care, etc., well, none of that really matters because there will not be eternal consequences or significance with what we have now because nothing is raising from the dead and coming back. Now, it is possible that the Sadducees believe in some sort of afterlife, like maybe they believe we go to heaven, but without the resurrection, nothing really matters in this life. Basically, we just go to heaven one day because we believe in God, so therefore, what happens here now doesn't really matter. Well, obviously this is a very bad concept. It's exactly what Jesus is speaking against. But here's the deal. And this is, well, just hear me out. Many Christians today who believe and act this very way. We are functional Sadducees. Functional Sadducees. God will save me, you know, so I can just do whatever I want. That's not good. In other words, many tend to act as if the resurrection of Christ is not as extremely important as it really is. So we're practical Sadducees, in effect, rebelling against Jesus' Messiahship, Jesus' resurrection itself, and therefore the cross. We're just doing whatever we want because, hey, it doesn't matter, you know. We're escaping to heaven, getting out of Dodge one day. Well, this needs to be addressed. This is heresy, it's a strong word, but it's the truth, and it's the same sort of challenging of Jesus' authority and interpretation of Scripture that this text and Jesus are dealing with, and that's why it's important for our lives. Um, before I move on, I just want to mention to Cody that um, I don't know what has happened, but I'll just tell you when to advance, okay? Well, has anyone ever seen or read book, movie, Heaven is for Real? Heaven is for Real. So some people have seen it. I have not seen it. Uh, I've never watched it, so I can't. I won't recommend it. Well, it's about a little boy. It's a 
story. It's, a, it's about a little boy who goes to heaven and then returns, and he starts speaking about things he could not have possibly known about. It's really a great story, and even a great testimony. And I mean, amen. Praise the Lord. There is something I want us all to notice about our passage. Connected to heaven is for real. When we look at our passage, is Jesus here, in this passage, talking about how heaven is for real? Well, it might seem like it, but can anyone see how much Jesus mentions heaven in this passage? Actually, in this one, it's the case that Jesus does not even mention the word heaven here in Luke's account. He mentions it in other accounts, but not here in Luke. It's not here. It's not absent because heaven does not exist or is unimportant, but Jesus is saying what he is saying without the word heaven because the Sadducees have a very wrong idea about all of it. It's like they saw the movie or read the book, Heaven is for Real, but there's really a lot more to the story than just that. There's things they just don't know. In other words, they let the popular understanding of what many people say the afterlife is like inform how they behave in the present life. The point here is that we too have to be careful that we don't end up like this and start behaving as if there is no resurrection ourselves. Sort of inappropriately thinking about escaping to heaven, which is certainly not what Christianity is about, dead wrong, excuse the pun, the resurrection is for real too. Another thing about the resurrection, it is far more important in scripture. Heaven, of course, is important, but the resurrection, the resurrection of Christ, far more important. But okay, let's move on. In verses 28 through 33, moving on in our passage, 28 through 33, um, here the Sadducees are talking about a widow and Old Testament instruction. Um, I don't like the term Old Testament law. It's a bit of a mistranslation of the Hebrew word Torah. Rightly, it translates to instruction. Well, what's going on? They're claiming that, hey, we're following what Scripture says. What the Sadducees are saying. For example... Deuteronomy teaches that a widow must not be allowed to just vanish from society. Excellent. Good Old Testament instruction, God's instructions. This is from Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 5 and 6. It's there. So what's the problem here? Well, the Sadducees are saying that this scripture disagrees with how Jesus interprets the scripture. So Jesus corrects them. And this correction concerning the resurrection, concerning resurrection in general, is a revelation of God. And we would have never known about it until Jesus says it here. Jesus is authority. The people of this age marry and are given in marriage, Jesus says in verse 34. People of this age. But verse 35 there is an age to come. There is the resurrection from the dead. And Jesus does not mention heaven here. Why? Because Jesus has seen through the Sadducees and how they use their interpretation of Scripture, their own authority, to just do whatever they want in this life. Because 
After all, it doesn't matter if we're all just getting out of here, going to heaven, we can do whatever we want. For example, we can bash Republicans. We can bash Democrats. We can just treat other people who think differently than us like enemies all the time. Because, well, hey, it doesn't matter. Well, of course, I'm being facetious. Jesus does not mention heaven in order to focus on the fact that the evil things that they are doing now, and everything we are doing now, matters. And in speaking to them this way, Jesus sharply addresses them. And Cody, you can advance. Jesus sharply addresses them and reveals to all of us the truth. The truth is that Scripture teaches heaven, and, the and mainly the resurrection is the focus and when we let our own ideas, or the ideas of the world concerning everything, control how we behave now, God will also confront us for our own good. And here's a story about that. Maybe you've heard this story. I heard it when I was younger. There was once a Christian man who heard that there was a flood coming. I'm not talking about Noah. He was not a Christian man. He's alive before Christ. His neighbors came to this Christian man and said, Hey, we're getting out of here. There's a flood coming. And the man replied, You go. I'll stay because God will deliver me. Says so in his word. Okay. So the neighbors left. And pretty soon afterwards, on the news, they showed the floodwaters breaking in. The news is right this time. Sure enough, it was flooding. So different neighbors came to the man and said, Hey, we're leaving. Flood is almost here. It's crashing in. But the man again said, You go. I'll stay because God will deliver me. Bible says. Okay. Now the flood starts coming, and it floods up to his second-story window, from where a boat passed by with rescue workers on board, and they said, Sir, we're here to rescue you. But he called out to them, no, I believe that God will save me. So everything is fine, leave me be. But the flooding only got higher. So climbing onto his roof, a helicopter comes down, attempting to rescue him. But by now he was so angry that God had not saved him, that God had broken his promises in Scripture, that he shouted up to the rescue helicopter, God is going to save me from this flood, or he is not God. I cannot believe in a God that would not rescue me. <laughs> Leave me be, he says. So, the helicopter left him. And the man drowned. He died. That's the end of the story. It's a little humorous, but what is the lesson behind this story? What is the lesson? Well, the man firstly misunderstands the way God works. Which is tangibly, concretely, in this world. Through physical means. And what I'm getting at is the resurrection proves it. And then the man fails to understand why God works in this world, not just in heaven, which is because this world matters. After all, God created it good. Read Genesis 1.31. Very good. This is why we will be raised again and live here on earth. Finally, in the resurrection, when Christ, the raised Christ, comes back, the second coming. Last thing, the man proceeds also to fail to love God. 
He sins. He quits believing in God. So that the man is destroyed. And notice the destruction of the man in the story does not come quickly, by the way. It comes slowly as the man loses his love and his belief in God. Side note, it's as the Old Testament says over and over again. It's my favorite verse in the Old Testament. You can find it in many places. God is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. Exodus 34, 6. You can also find it in Jonah chapter 4. Yet God will not force us to love him. So this is the lesson. This is our point up there, the first point. The lesson is that we do not have authority over God with our own interpretations. And that what happens now, physically, concretely, tangibly, matters, even to the point that God is working right now in our present world. He certainly is, and he constantly is. So, our actions matter. Are we going to work with him? But okay, let's move on. Let's look at verse 33. We're going through our passage here. Verse 33. The Sadducees say, in their little conundrum, whose wife will she be? Verse 33. Whose wife will she be? Finally, at the resurrection, who's marrying whom? Sounds like a game show. They're saying, see, Jesus, this is why the resurrection is false. Because someone with more than one spouse can't be married to more than one spouse on the resurrection, or else they're making God's instructions for the widow look ridiculous. Well, Jesus teaches, essentially, that there is no marriage at the resurrection because in the age to come, all things are made new. Things will be completely different. Well, how's that? Well, in such a way, and this is the big revelation we've been talking about this morning, in such a way, a way of the cross. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus was crucified and lived that sinless life in the power of the Spirit for all of us to cover our sins by His blood, God vindicated the fact that everything that happens here matters in the resurrection. It already mattered before Christ died, but in the fullness of time, the Bible says, when Christ was raised from the dead, God revealed it. God revealed it. What did we see in this revelation? What was Jesus' body like after God raised him from the dead? Well, Jesus still had a corporeal body. And in fact, Jesus still has the crucifixion wounds on his body. What's the point? Well, what we do here, good or bad, matters. And it lasts forever, even in the resurrection, with our new creational bodies. Now, it will be such that there is no more death, or pain, or sorrow at the resurrection in the age to come. But what we do, good or bad, matters, such that it will last. It matters eternally, because... Our future, permanent, eternal home is the new creation. Some equate that with heaven, but it's this world made new. A new heavens and a new earth. This is what we see in Revelation. This is after Jesus 
comes back, and we've all been raised in this way. What is it? Well, it's the revelation of the cross and Christ's being raised by God. Let's finish our passage. Jesus says in verse 37, What about the burning bush? Even Moses showed that the dead rise. The Sadducees, you see, they only read the books of Moses. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. For to him, all are alive. Ooh. And that's a little spooky, isn't it? To God, all are alive. Spooky in the good way. In the God is so awesome way. What does this mean? Let's come to a close as we talk about what this means. All are alive to God. <laughs> this means that God does not just forget about a single person whom he has created as an eternal being. When we look around this room, right now, this morning, and we all see each other, each one in this room, and go ahead and feel free to look around and look at each other, we're seeing eternal beings. Eternal beings of infinite worth and infinite value to God. All are alive to God because we're all eternal beings. And here's the good news of the resurrection, which is the culminating message of this passage and for our lives. This morning, it's the battleground. It's what this text and the whole Bible is really all about. God's defining characteristic. God's chief characteristic. What does Scripture tell us? It is not His glory. It is not His sovereignty. It is not even His holiness. But rather that God is love. God is love. How do we know? For God so loved the world. God so loved the world. Loved the world. That He sent His Son to die for us on that cross, to shed his blood, to cover our sins, and to give us the life that is truly life, eternal reigning with Christ, yes, but beginning now with the Spirit, and in the new heavens, and the new earth. How do we know? Answer, the resurrection of Christ, that truly all are eternal beings. But the question is, will we live rebelliously? Like the Sadducees in this episode, or the man in the flood, not loving God, running off of our own interpretations, or will we, by only God enabling us to do so, and he does, that's the spirit of God living in us, will we come to God and be transformed by his radical love, cleansed from our sin, entirely cleansed from all unrighteousness, says 1 John 1, 9. And at the resurrection, so emphasized by Jesus and our scripture, will Christ say to us those words, Well done, good and faithful servant. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Last slide, please, Cody. This is the question here. We're all eternal beings, but there's a question of how we spend that eternity. God does change how we act in this life. And he does it through his spirit, giving us new life 
given after Christ was raised from the dead? This is our double answer that yes, God does change how we act because Christ was raised. He does it through the Holy Spirit living in us. Let's pray this morning. Father God, thank you for the ways in which you are working right now, Lord. There are many of us who are in desperate need of you, many of us who are hurting, many of us who are sick physically, emotionally, mentally, Lord. We need your spirit. We need the new life, the resurrection life of Jesus. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to come into our lives, the power of God's love, Lord. We ask that the Holy Spirit would be shed abroad in our hearts, the love of God shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, Lord. We ask that your Spirit would saturate this place. Drexel Christian Church, Lord, would you come into this place and just make it explode on fire, a fire that doesn't burn out, a consuming fire, God fire for you, an eternal flame. Will the Spirit just make us radically for you in the world, Lord? Not of the world, but in the world for you, the body of Christ, Lord. Reaching others, touching others, Lord. May the light of Christ shine through us. May the gospel just shine through us, Lord. We ask and we pray these things in your Son, Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Our closing hymn is number 122, Because He Lives. Let's all stand and sing.